What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 57 of Handy Schlapped. I am your host, the Reverend Jordan Schrader. And again, I apologize for my absence. Thank you for being patient with me. I've had a lot going on lately. I've been planning my new movie that I'm going to be shooting this weekend. So I've had that going on and just other personal things going on at the same time. So it's good to be back. And today I want to talk a little bit about Christian dating and its role in the church. And in addition to its, let's say, its reception in the church and how it's been perceived. And uh, in my own life, of course, being a Christian, um, dating has been very interesting because... um, I don't know if it's a millennial thing or a fairly nuanced thing springing from the 90s and a little bit of an offshoot of purity culture. But I think uh, the church has been interesting in how it's um, dictating and teaching and guiding Christian relationships among my generation, and I know I know I've been affected by it as well. Um, being told that you have to look for a specific partner, being told to seek certain values, while not being informed how to manage or not manage, but to navigate um, the different traits that people have, whether they are Christian but maybe they don't have the greatest personality traits. Or maybe someone does have terrific personality traits that complement really well with your own personality, and they're really compatible with each other, but this person may not be a Christian. And that can be a really tricky situation. And so um, I want to talk a little bit about that. And are singles inferior in the church, is it a myth that um, married couples are have a sense of quote unquote superiority um, ab- above the singles in the church? And um, what is the big deal about marriage anyway? Or I should say, what is the big presentation um, of marriage to um, young couples and young singles? In the church, and is there a is there an interesting mixture of secular expectations along with biblical expectations, such as when men say, "I'm looking for my Proverbs 31 wife," or when women say, "I'm looking for my Boaz." I'm coming from the Book of Ruth, so I want to look at these examinations. A little bit, and <clears throat> excuse me, but what I want to really start with now, and with Christian dating is why does Christian dating just feel nowadays uh, so methodical, whereas um, dating in general shouldn't be something that's so analytical. Uh, step-by-step per se and something that needs to be written out like a Google Maps 
directions list. And yet, that's what the church seems to be presenting to many young people, not only from when I was growing up throughout the late 90s and all the 2000s, uh, but I see this a lot now on TikTok um, with uh, pastors and leaders in the church or uh, Christian speakers uh, saying how a Christian dating needs to be a very specific way. And there's a lot of pressure and expectations on those looking for a partner that just seem ultra-selective and nearly impossible to achieve. And yet these are the ways that we are told. We are told to, um, this may be an exaggeration, I mean, I hope it is, but in some ways it doesn't feel like an exaggeration at all, but there's the emphasis on, in Christian narrative, uh, to be pursuing someone who is super Christian, and I use super Christian deliberately, um, someone that doesn't have any faults, someone that can um, equate with, if not suppress, sorry, or surpass uh, the Boaz or the Proverbs 31 woman. And nowadays we got all these Christian singles struggling so hard, um, whether it's from dating app burnout or just uh, having a more limited uh, pool of potential partners. It just basically it's getting harder and harder as the years go on. And this is a topic that's trying its best to be more mainstream and talked about, but it seems to getting pushed back a little bit too. Like a lot of singles are trying to talk about that there is some kind of struggle and difference going on in the dating community. And while there is love, respect, and some understanding from couples who are already married, um, perhaps specifically uh, leadership couples or ministry couples or pastor couples who are already married, obviously, that are giving the singles hope, or maybe in a sense it's a false hope because they already have it. And uh, it seems like many times these couples are almost perfect or they give off the perfect presentation at uh, almost unrealistic expectations. Now I say that because obviously that's not true. And uh, obviously we put that in our mind to think that a perfect Christian couple is something we need to achieve when that's also not true at all. Nor are these couples giving off the vibe that, hey, it's easy, just find someone and make it work. No, I don't believe that's what they're trying to say either. I think that's what we think they are saying, or in a sense that an apathetic way of speaking 
to singles who are really struggling to meet someone and to make a relationship with someone. It just seems like that Christian couples do have a sense of superiority or even seniority because they already reached that goal. They have their partner. They don't need to worry about that struggle anymore. And it seems like they leave the ones that are struggling in the dust. And when they do give advice on marriage, it seems generic. It seems, it seems surface level and feels like it's not going to help us. And so I think what makes me struggle personally is that I was always fed, or I should say more than often fed this idea of um, marriage being the end game or that marriage is the ultimate goal. And once I get to that goal, then I've achieved a special class of prestige. And that's also not true whatsoever, nor was that ever God's intent for marriage. Marriage was never a a one-stop shop or like the final destination of happiness and success and love. No, that's only the beginning. And I, I look at all these couples that are my age and all these singles, both male and female, that are my age. And it's hard to explain, but it's they give off this super energized love for Christ. And yet the, when they're trying to talk with other singles or um, their friends or give off advice to those who are really struggling, even though they're both single, the helper and the one needing help, it still comes off as um, just kind of a throwaway thing. Like all the saying, do people really care about the singles who are struggling? I'm not talking about the singles who are coming off as they're fine and that they make they they make their whole personality about Christ. I'm not saying that's a bad thing whatsoever. That's not a bad thing, but it can come it can come off as really cheap and lackluster, and um, it can make your personality um, very slim and out of place. And you have to wonder, okay, as a Christian single, where does my hope really lie then? Because we got the married couples that try uh, make it look so easy, and uh, they they found one or two people, and they got married right away, and then they were fine. And not to be selfish, but let's be real here: a lot of times, we as Christian singles are gonna come into our minds and think the harsh thoughts of, "Well, hey, you didn't really have." to struggle like we did or like I did. And so who are you to say that marriage is so easy where everything was easy for you 
in marriage in the first place. And so how are we letting people like this um, lead classes on singles, leading classes on um, marriage and learning how to better ourselves for this when the people that are leading them haven't really struggled in the way we have struggled. Now, hold on, is that a selfish thing? It could be. Is it an honest thing? I think so. And I can totally resonate with people who may think that way, that maybe they don't want to talk to the so-called happily married young couples, especially the young ones, because it seems like they just went out, they met in college, and then they got married a little bit later, and that was it. And whereas a lot of Christian singles are struggling because they're told that that right there is the pedestal of love and marriage in the Christian faith. Setting unbelievably high expectations um, in the dating and selection process. And this is where I get a little tripped up. This is just a caveat because I'm a little bit of a uh, unique person in the sense of um, I'm a minority. So um, when I'm dating and looking for someone, I'm not only seeking just one trait of that they are a good Christian. I also have to look at, are they going to be someone that's going to be able to help me? Now, I lived for years and years with the idea that I need to be looking for someone that's not only going to be my partner, but that's also going to be my solo caregiver. And that right there is what really kind of made me stumble a lot in my pursuant relationships or the relationships that I was trying to make. And that's what made a stumbling block for me. Now, I imagine this is also the kind of idea I'm getting at with Christian dating with emphasis on Christian dating being a stumbling block on what dating or courting is supposed to be. And it's just getting to know someone, building a relationship with someone, even if it's just a friendship. Now, I don't want to say friendship as if it's a downgrade. Um, they can be easily synonymous. Um, but in the sense that putting a goal or putting um, one point above the relationship itself, like you're looking too far ahead and you're not looking at what's in front of you. You're not, ad you're not admiring or uh, maintaining the active relationship. Rather, we are pushed so hard to look at what the relationship should be and what the partner ought to be rather than what it already is. And that's a struggle in many different 
schools of thought, whether it's Christianity or uh, your philosophy on love and marriage or your psychology on love and marriage. There's a lot of different depths that we can look at here, but we can expand on this in future episodes. And so I just want to take this moment to kind of think about how these influences um, throughout our lives have impacted the way we think about love and marriage, specifically in a Christian narrative, that our partner needs to be the perfect Christian man or the perfect Christian woman. But again, like I said at the beginning, what if the, these so-called perfect Christian woman is a, uh, well, good Christian per se, but they have a very boring or lackluster personality. Again, I'm taking, I bring this up again because this is a constant stumble that not only I face, but I see among other men as well. I talk with other Christian men, um, not only who are close to me, but who may be acquaintances as well. And so they meet people that could very well be compatible with them, but they're not the um, higher prestige Christian that they want or that they think they want because they are told that they need to buy, excuse me, they need to find the one partner or nothing. It's almost as if we are all given a once and for all philosophy when it comes to love and marriage. And by no means is that the truth. A lot of that is secular infiltration into the biblical understanding of love and marriage. Um, Sometimes I talk with uh, my female friends about this, not directly, but indirectly. I'll kind of chit chat about their views on dating and their practices of dating. And it's the same thing that they have to not only have the Boaz of a man or the highly godly man in a relationship who can have very little faults. I mean, the same goes for the men too, who seek a female Christian uh, partner. But it also shows uh, that we are not taught what true Christian love is in a dating perspective. We're taught all about the agape love of uh, the Christian faith um, with God's love towards us, uh, specifically God's love for the church, his uh, bride, symbolically speaking, excuse me, I have the hiccups, uh, but what needs to occur is that downgrade and that, I should say, a reform to that because there's so many secular expectations mixing with the Bible that they, uh, a partner needs to 
equate uh, certain physical uh, attributes or very specific personality traits without us even needing to experiment with any of those traits. It's as if we know beforehand or that we can take the Bible and put it over someone and scan them and uh, like a scanner and say, oh, this one doesn't match, this one matches, this one doesn't match, even though they are all very good potential partners if we give them a chance. There have been people in my own life who I've dismissed that were very compatible with me. And the reason I dismissed them was not only did I um, see them as not a good caregiver, which is also very wrong, but I also saw them as not a good Christian. They may have had faith, um, but they didn't have that high academic scholarly faith that I could discuss deep Christian thought with. And that's really too bad because I see a lot of people miss out on such great opportunities because of the way they're told to think, the way they're told to behave, and how to specifically get a partner without really considering who the person is first. And it's a simple idea of putting our ideologies before the way people are, or just putting our ideas and ideologies and our beliefs before the person. You know, very classic, just a different way of doing it. So this needs to change, of course, and I do see some changes happening a little bit, which is great, but I just wanted to share this um, from my own perspective and uh, expand this conversation a little more in what is really hurting Christian singles. And uh, I wouldn't say it's just the lack of available partners or um, people being shy or personal problems or anything like that. I really do think part of it is the lack of connection between married couples and singles in the church. Um, I see Christian singles being treated rather different among the church body than other demographics. And I think that's something I want to expand upon as well a little bit more. So with that said, thank you for listening to today's episode. God bless you. And as always, stay cool and stay classy. Take care.